I think the one thing that I would have wanted to know was the the importance of focusing on one thing because I often would get distracted and like go off on you know like totally different tangents. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the number one coach biz podcast where it is all about how you can make your coaching business number one in your niche how you can stand out online and become visible for the people that need your help something personal when I was in high school I ran for the students board and in the campaign I used my Lego train hi my name is Aaron Arning and I'm a mentor for the life and business coaches that want to become number one in their niche. In this episode, I interview psychic Licia Morelli. Licia is a clairvoyant psychic, intuition expert, speaker, and author. After studying contemplative psychology at Naropa University and investigating a vast array of healing methodologies, Licia began to divine and sculpt her psychic gifts. For more than 10 years, she has seen clients all over the world for coaching and clairvoyant readings. Licia's first children's book, The Lemonade Hurricane, a story about mindfulness and meditation, will be out in August 2015. Licia is also the founder of the House of Wu and loves teaching people how to listen to and trust their intuition on a daily basis. Even though she realizes she may work herself out of a job because of it. She's also the author of The Goosebump Factor, an ebook and audio that she sells on her website. When she's not invading the psychic sphere, you can often find Lysia eating frozen yogurt and searching for witty banter. Oh, and I forgot to ask about the tattoo on her ankle. Spider-Man? Please enjoy the tips and findings that Lysia shares in this interview. Let's get the show rolling. Welcome to the number one Coach Biz podcast, where you will learn how to make your coaching business number one in your niche. Practical tips that you can use to improve your business today. And now, your host, Erno Hanning. Hey, welcome, Licia. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be great. I, I like uh, I like the introduction of Zanette Stevens. I'm be curious what you're gonna bring to us today. Um, oh, awesome! I can't wait. So my first question always is, um, if somebody's bumping into you in a network event and asks you what do you do, what is your answer? Well, my answer is that I am a psychic, a writer, and a philanthropist. Um, and within those three umbrellas, I try to encompass all aspects of what my entrepreneurship is. And with the psychic, with the psychic, I am both a psychic, so I do psychic readings, but I'm also a teacher, so I teach people people how to actually tap into their intuition. With the philanthropy, that's my why. That's why I work. I want to give back, and I want to create a space in which I can give back. So it's sort of in the forefront of everything that I do, of how it all connects. And then with the writer, I'm, I'm a published author. I just, I have a children's book coming out in August. Um, and so, and I'm also um, a contributing writer to Elephant Journal and Tiny Buddha amongst other publications. So I try to keep everything with what I do for business within those three categories. And if it's not in those three categories, then I have to think. Right. Um, I saw on your website that you um, say that you are a clairvoyant psychic and a psychic coach yeah okay so, so let's start first with what is a clairvoyant okay yeah so as a clairvoyant psychic what that means is that i see images in my mind's eye around what's coming towards people and that could be energetic information it could be information about their future and about where they're headed on their life's path um, and it could also be information about what's currently going on around them that's affecting where they're heading or how they're getting there. So what I say is that as a clairvoyant psychic, these images and this information, it's like an indie experimental movie in my mind's eye, letting people know where they're headed. And as I let them know where they're heading, 
Um, it just is another tool for their toolbox to work with life, right? It's just something else that they can have as a guide to get them where they need to be. So that's the work that I do with the, the clairvoyant psychic readings is I sit with clients and I help them understand sort of what's next for them so they can navigate it more easily. And, and the coaching is related to that? Yeah, so the coaching, it's funny because in our online entrepreneurial world, I, I use coaching because I think it's easier for people to understand. But what it really is, is that I'm teaching people how to tap into their psychic abilities. So utilizing their own intuition for moving forward fearlessly on their path and understanding how to utilize that. So it is coaching in essence, but it's really that I'm teaching them and mentoring them on how to move, how to utilize their own intuition and to trust it and trust themselves. Okay, that because that that's kind of funny because you say I call it coaching. It's it's more like teaching, and a lot of people say I don't want to be called a coach because it's so general that people don't really know what it means. But do you prefer being named a coach? Right. You know, I think it's that's an interesting question because I've grappled with it a lot. I think what happens is, is if I say that I'm a teacher. People don't, they, they expect maybe that they won't get the results that they are looking for, or they won't, you know, be led in the direction that they need to be led in. But so I use coach in that I still am holding them accountable in that way that a coach will, but I'm also giving them the information and having them have that freedom to learn and take in the knowledge and know that that's going to be theirs exponentially from here on out. So it's sort of a mesh between a teacher and a coach, but I think people really understand the word coach better than they understand any other aspect to it. And I think when they read, you know, that's why I'm pretty specific in my um, my copy to let people know that it is, it's, it's a teaching. It's both coaching and teaching where I'm, it's, you know, sort of got the same structure as coaching, but there's a lot of teaching and it's more of like an education rather than me holding their hand and propelling them forward. It's about me conveying the information that I know so that they can learn a new skill. So I just, I, I noticed that you just launched the House of Wu. Yes. Is that is that something similar in, in this uh, four sessions you teach people about um, psychic? Yes. So the House of Wu was my answer to being able to broaden the reach to teach more people about intuitive hits. I think of it in this way. House of Wu is the course. And then psychic coaching is the one-on-one -on -one tutoring if people really want to get like much, much deeper. So House of Wu stemmed from over the course of the last year and a half, me really paying attention to what my clients after their psychic readings were asking me. A lot of people would ask me, do you feel like you were born with this gift? Is this something special? How did you, you know, how did you understand that you had intuitive hits or you were more psychic? And I started to see that there was this common belief that not everyone has intuition and not everybody has intuitive ability. And what I wanted to do, because what I would always say to my clients is, if I can teach you to trust your intuition and move forward with it and work myself out of a job, then I've come, I've done what I've come here to do. And so House of Woo became the course to have the introduction to let people know that we all have intuitive capabilities. We all have intuition that guides us in our everyday Intuition shows up in the mundane. It's not these great big sweeping visions that people have. Um, it's more about how it shows up in our everyday so that we can learn to recognize it and utilize it. And then with that came the House of Woo. And the House of Woo is essentially a course in which you will learn and learn how to not only tap into your intuition, but you'll be able to trust it and recognize it when it's happening. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, I saw that you had at one point 50 people that were entered in this uh, course. How many people did you uh, finally sign up? So there were 57 people total this go around, and it was such a great turnout because I did a beta version of the course in December and January of last year. And there were 15 people in that version because I really wanted to kind of work out what what the course was going to look like, how it was going to flow. And I, I had 15 testers. 
and from that 15 testers, then I had another 58 people or 57 people sign up this go around. So I was extremely, extremely excited about the response when we took it to the mm-hmm. next level. And those 15 people in the beta version, did you ask money for it or was it for free? How did, how did you do that? I did ask money for it. Um, and the way that I quote unquote launched it was I actually do what I like to call hand to hand combat selling, where you're actually just selling one on one, where you're not doing a big launch, you're not writing the newsletters, you're not sort of doing the funnel, you're just contacting the people like I chose 30 people to contact for the beta version. And I ended up getting 15 people to sign up. So what I did was picked 30 people who I thought would be a good fit, who had expressed interest, who had asked me, you know, questions about being psychic, were interested in their own intuition. And then I just wrote them personal emails telling them about what I was doing, how it was a beta beta course. I did charge money. They did pay for it. Um, And then from that 30, the 15. So a 50% conversion rate, I thought, was uh, pretty good. I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. How much did you charge? For the beta version, I had ended up charging the same amount of money. So I charged the $297 for the beta version. And then I charged, I kept it at the $297 for the actual version. Because I think for an introductory course and a four week long course, that $297 is really doable for people. It's, it's a commitment, but it, it, you know, they have to think about it. But at the same time, from there, what I would like to do is now that I'm doing House of Woo, from the groups that sign up for House of Woo, I would like to offer um, what I'm going to call Woo You, which is like a more intensive, smaller group setting. And that can be at a higher price point because of the individualized attention people will get. Do you have any idea what the price point will be? Um, my thinking right now is that it'll be $997. And it'll be two months. Similar to your coaching. Yeah, similar to my coaching. Um, Because I don't know, uh, going forward, I'm not sure how my coaching is going to evolve. Just given the demands on my time, I may have to take away the one-on-one and just do the Woo You as as more of the closer knit, you know, smaller group setting. So that's kind of why I'm thinking about it in that way. So I saw on your site that your coaching is um, $1,000 for four sessions. Yeah, it's it's actually thirteen ninety seven, so one thousand three hundred. And the nice thing about having the individualized coaching is that they have access to the House of Woo, so they get that aspect as well. And so even if we've finished coaching, whenever House of Woo is being offered, the individual coaching clients get access, permanent access to that. So it's an it's a definitely a bonus because they can always come back to relearning the stuff we went over and coaching. And how, how did you get at this to this pricing? How how did you determine what would be good pricing for your one on one? Yeah, so I decided for one on one for the individual psychic readings, those are two hundred and seventy five dollars. And I when I first started out. I I should explain this to your listeners because I think it's important to see how pricing evolves. Um, And as you establish a following, it's important to know sort of when you're starting to price yourself out of the market versus, you know, being too inexpensive. And when I first started in 2008 with my business, what I thought was, okay, I pretty much charged, it was like $60 for 60 minutes. So it was like a dollar a minute. And that was when I was beginning. I wanted to get access to people. I wanted practice. I wanted to really learn. I wanted to hone in my skills. And that's why I was priced at that point. And then over time, um, I moved it up. It was like $150 for 45 minutes. And that was for a while. And I felt like for a long time, I felt like that was going to be really, that was really expensive. I thought, you know, that was going to be, you know, top of the market. But I was seeing that, you know, I was still booking pretty frequently. Um, and then when I did B-School, I started to realize that I was, you know, people wanted something a little bit. It was an interesting psychology. They wanted something a little bit more expensive. They wanted to know I was legit. They wanted, and you know, there's something about psychic readings where, you know, if you're in a certain price point, people trust it more. 
Um, and I knew I was offering a service that was really valuable. I had enough testimonials to think, to know that, that my readings, you know, were, were hitting the mark for people. I had enough experience to know that they were hitting the mark. And so that is when I started, that's when I slowly started to move it up. And I did two price changes within a six month period. So I went from 150 to $200 for 30 minutes and then $275 for 30 minutes. And that's where I've stayed. And I definitely plan on staying there because I think that is, um, it's, it's a reach for people, but it's individualized attention. Um, and I think they really get a lot of value within that time frame. But what I would say to people is as they're looking for pricing and how to do pricing, I didn't start at $275. In fact, I was, I was for a very long time within this $150 range because I really wanted the experience. I wanted people to access. Um, and I, I, I also wanted to people to think of me as professional, but also be able to, you know, have it be kind of a no brainer for them to sign up. The busier I got with more of my group stuff and my writing and things like that, then I knew I could pare back on pricing for my individual clients because I knew I didn't, I didn't need to book like 15 readings in a week. I could do a little less and that was fine because I needed more time. So it's sort of, it was all about kind of the, the experience that I had over the last eight years and also being able to sort of navigate the fact that my business was evolving. So the one-on-ones, I still wanted to do them, but I didn't do, I didn't need to do as many. And for the coaching, um, because that's an hour long session for the four sessions, plus access to the house of woo, um, plus unlimited emails. I took a look at what I wanted to charge for the hour, how much of a discount I wanted to give because, Oh, that's the other thing is they also get a psychic reading within that coaching. So they get a 30 minute psychic reading. So I discounted the psychic reading. I made the, um, hour long sessions, $250 an hour. And then I gave them access to the house of woo. So I sort of looked at all the prices of both the psychic reading, the coaching and the house of woo. And then I discounted, um, for, from there. So that's how I came up with the pricing for coaching. And so, so you mentioned B school. Um, this, this is a program by Marie Folio. So, so how does it, how did it change the way that you work? How did it change your business? So in B-School, there were two things that happened. Um, well, actually three things I would say that happened that really changed the way I work. The first thing was that Marie Forleo does an amazing job at helping somebody navigate the Internet from a marketing standpoint. I always say that I'm a sales girl at heart. I can I can sell anything, but marketing was never as strong for me. And so I just didn't really have the platform or the understanding of how to take advantage of the Internet and, you know, market to the masses. I had an inkling of it, but I was so much better at selling that I just kept selling and not really expanding the foundation that I had on my online presence. So 100 percent, she really. um she really helps you navigate the sea that is the internet and find your niche within it and then help it grow from there. The other thing that I found within B-School was community. For so long, I was sort of, I felt like I was sort of floating out there in the internet by myself, even though I knew of other people doing similar things that I was doing. I didn't really have a community in which I could ask questions or gain insights or, you know, have, have this feeling of, you know, where I belong in this great scheme of things, right? And so B-School definitely gave a great community um, and and the people there are very knowledgeable and the Facebook room is very active so you can ask questions. So that was huge. That was a big deal. Like if I have a question about, you know, finding a VA or how do I, you know, create my own opt-in or, you know, anything that, that people are looking for, she really, it's a, it's a great community where there's a lot of knowledgeable people. And then the final thing that really did for me was discover, I discovered the joy that is copywriting. And Laura Belgray from TalkingShrimp.com is just, she's incredible. And I worked with her, I found her through B-School, and she taught me that working with copy, that's the thing that will sell for you all day long. So no matter what you're doing, um, as far as, 
your marketing goes, if your copy doesn't speak to people, you're not going to sell anything. And so I always say, before you invest in anything, invest in a good copywriter to help you get clarity on your message, to help you speak from your truth, because that really was the, a huge game changer for me while I was going through B-School. As soon as I changed my copy and really honed in on my message, my sales started going up. And that was also why I was able to raise my prices as well. Um, can you please repeat that name so we can look her up? Um, her name is Laura Belgray, um, and she's talking. She's from TalkingShrimp.com. It's, and she did the sales page for the House of Wu, or did you do it yourself? And she guided you. So um, she helped me. We she does this session called a Power Hour, where you can brainstorm. And so during that power hour, we collaborated on the sales page for House of Woo. And she taught me a technique in which, um, you know, how a sales page is laid out. She's she's also the co-creator for her and Marie Forleo. She's the co-creator of the Copy Cure, which is the copycure.com. And she said that they have a formula that they teach within the Copy Cure that teaches people exactly what you need in a sales page. And starting from the attention grabber, to you know what it is, what you're offering, the testimonials. I mean, it really is. It's it's like A plus B equals C, and then you'll make sales. And it really did work. And so she and I sat down together for an hour and really brainstormed what the sales page should say. And then I was able to take that brainstorm and create more of what the what needed more of the meat in the sales page as well. Right. So. How many how many of those um, sessions do you do in a month about the reading the readings? Oh, the readings. Sorry, um, the readings. I would say that I'm averaging about five readings per week, five to seven readings per week. But that's because um, with House of Woo coming out, I'm not necessarily selling the readings right now. I'm just taking them as they come in. But when I'm really selling them and I'm really wanting more, I try to stick to about seven, seven or eight readings per week. Right. And, and, and I love how you mentioned that you were more a sales lady than into marketing. Um, for me, it's the other way around. So I would love to um, exchange oh, ideas. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, I, that's great. I love selling. I mean, you give me, I could sell ice to an Eskimo. Like I feel like if I have something that I'm selling, it's really, really easy for me to talk to people about it. It's, it's easy for me to tell my story. But if it's sort of more abstract and I'm building up stuff, it's harder. It's so much harder. And, and where did you learn this? Is this is, did it come to you in previous jobs? Um, yeah. So I, was, I have a sales background. Um, I was in sales. I was also in... Um, development for nonprofit. So I always had something that like a physical product or an idea that I had to, you know, convey to people to get them on board. And um, I had a great mentor in my sales jobs where she taught me, you know, the art of selling. So that was really helpful. But I think there are, you know, there's definitely different personalities in all of this. Like some people are born marketers and some people are born salespeople and we can learn each other's trade, but there's just something we have a knack for essentially to start with. And then we build yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, so, so what does success mean to you? Because I think uh, when you do a lunch, um, which about was about $15,000, um, what is, what does success mean to you? Success means to me that I feel in line with what the message is that I'm giving and that people are responding. So even if I had only had 30 people, like I had set three goals for myself when I started this launch. And I think for all the listeners out there, this is a great piece of advice um, that I got from Natalie Lucier at her off the charts event. She said, set three numbers for yourself, your good number, your better number, and your best number for all of your launches. And I would say, Erno, that that really was a huge um, plus for me during this launch because I set the numbers of like, okay, I had 15 people in the beta launch. So if I double that and have 30, that will be a good number. I will feel really good about that. And then, and it's not that hard to double a number because you already know that you've had 
success. So it's sort of like if you start with five and you get 10, you've doubled your number. It's not as hard as it seems. And then my better number was 60 people and my best number was 100 people. And I was absolutely thrilled to get 57 people because it was so close to my better number. But I would have been just as excited if I had 30 people. But because I had that sort of anchor of what I was hopeful for and my markers of, you know, goal setting, it really made a difference in the launch because I could see where I was getting traction. And so for me, it's not about the numbers necessarily, but the way in which I was able to organize myself around what I was trying to achieve. Because I think if I had gone into this launch just thinking, well, I hope people sign up, then there would not have been any anchors to say like, okay, well, I I feel really good about this, or I feel like I need to work harder to get to this number. Because as a salesperson, you're always given sales goals. And if we don't make sales goals for ourselves, we don't really know where we're standing in the grand scheme of things. And so with success for me, I was just out of my mind thrilled at the response that I got, even with the people. And I will tell you, honestly, even with the people that didn't sign up, but expressed interest for other times during the year when I offer it, that showed me success as well. Because even though they weren't pressing the yes button today, I know down the line that they have it in the back of their mind as something that they're interested in. And so I was able to get my message out clearly. I was able to get it out effectively. And that was really exciting. I, I love the idea of the um, good, better, best numbers. Yes, I, I will implement that for me too. And um, what was the moment that you felt the most successful so far in your business? In my business? Um, I would say that the launch of House of Woo was really the thing that showed me that I could up level. I intentionally kept doing one-on-one -on -one readings and not launching a course for a while, even after doing B-School, because I wanted to make sure that what I was doing was what people wanted. Um, I had tried to, and I think a lot of times entrepreneurs, they really, they have the one, they have this notion that the one-on-one -on -one is, is not what they should be doing. But my theory is, is that do the one-on-one, -on -one, make some money, save some money, get experience, And, and really kind of listen, do it as your market research, you know, listen to what your clients are asking for, listen to what they are repeating to you over and over that they're really enjoying. And then from there, make a course. But I think a lot of times entrepreneurs, they feel like they need to make a course so they can quit the one-on-ones, but they've only been doing one-on-ones for like two months. And I say, well, it's probably good you're doing one-on-ones because you learn so much. And, and, and one-on-one clients are, you know, that's going to be, Sometimes your go-to thing if you don't feel like launching, because as you know, I'm sure, or no, launching is exhausting. I mean, it's a, it's hard. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> and it's really hard. So I think for me, the biggest success was allowing myself to wait and to really see what the market wanted and really see what I wanted to teach. And then when that came together and was successful, it was just incredible to watch unfold because then I knew it was worth the wait and I didn't have to go through the heartbreak of having an unsuccessful launch of, of trying to launch something that wasn't what the what I wanted wasn't what the market wanted and and then have nobody sign up and having spent money you know I think a lot of people run into that and I think if you just can wait and really do your research you'll find that it's it's a pinnacle of success for your business when you finally are able to do that that's what I found Yeah, I, I like what you just said because it makes some money, save some money, and and, and you'll and gain the experience by one on ones. Yeah, yeah. And that, I I love that advice. What, what what who do you admire or who inspires you? Who inspires me? Um, you know, I really love Elizabeth Gilbert. She wrote Eat, Pray, Love. I love her presence online. I love how she, you know, she's a writer, so it's a little bit different than coaching. Um, but I do, I mean, I'll talk about the coaches that I admire as well. But I want to start with Elizabeth because she she sells books and she's a speaker. Um, but she definitely has a way of just, she writes about what she wants to write about. She puts her heart out there. She, you know, she sells the books. She She incorporates what she's writing about, you know, from Facebook to social media to what she's speaking about. Like, and then, she, you know, of course, she incorporates the books as well. But I love her authenticity and I love how she just is who she is. 
and she shares that experience with her followers. I really believe that oftentimes um, uh, the best piece of advice I ever got was write about what you want and don't try to think you can understand what the readers want. If you write about what you want from your heart, you will get the response that you that you're looking for. But if you try to think in your mind, like this is what the readers want to know, and then write about it, it never translates very well. So Elizabeth Gilbert definitely does that in an amazing way. Um, another person that I really admire is I love Danielle Laporte, because Danielle has this really amazing knack of just allowing her business to evolve as she wants it to evolve. And what's wonderful to watch about her stuff is that her her people, her community that follow her, they like the evolution just as much as she does. And nobody ever really, you know, it's nobody questions it. It's just like, oh, great. Now we're doing this. Fantastic. And she's a great example of another person who just expresses herself how she wants to express herself in an authentic way and also lets her business sort of evolve in a way where she follows, you know, what her heart wants and how she wants it. Um, somebody was once telling me that she she coached for a year and and got all of the information for her um, book. I think it was a fire starter sessions, and then wrote the book and then stopped seeing coaching clients because she got, you know, she she did the coaching, she learned from it, she did it, and then she wrote her book and then evolved from there. So I thought that was really interesting too. Of you know this sort of space that she creates where the evolution is. It's constant and it's fluid, and I like that about mm. her. Yeah, I like I like I like what she does too. I just I just um, was reading a post just uh, two hours ago, or so about the newest post about how to get 200 interviews from your blog. So that was uh, pretty cool. Um, yeah. And um, so so you you're an author. You write books, uh, but the, the the children book is is has is no relation to what you do as a psychic, I guess. No, no. The children's book is about mindfulness and meditation. Um, and so I, it, it is part of my background. I went to Naropa University, which is a, a, a Buddhist-based university. My background is in Shambhala Buddhism. Um, and meditation as a whole is something that I teach to my clients because I want them to understand that when we can make space in our lives, we get so much more information through our intuition. And I have two children of my own. Um, I have a daughter who's four and a half and a son who's seven. And this experience of having children made me realize that there needs to be more awareness of creating a more mindful practice within our lives overall. Because even if you're not necessarily utilizing it for intuition, it is good to create space between thought and action, no matter what we do in our lives, whether it's for work or relationship or decisions that we're making. If we can have, if we can teach small children how to do that early on, they'll be so much more evolved as adults than we ever could be. <laughs> so let's say that at one point your books um, really hit it off and you were selling um, thousands of books, right? Would you? Would yeah, you, that'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, and it's it's really it's really possible. So, so would you prefer writing those books and and giving up your readings? Again, it goes back. So the Lemonade Hurricane, the Lemonade Hurricane is the name of the book, um, and it's coming out August 1st. And I think if the Lemonade Hurricane were to really take off and, and sort of be the darling of the children's book world, I would definitely incorporate it in a way that I think I would try to make it more fluid to, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be doing the psychic readings, but I would be speaking more about understanding how mindfulness and meditation plays a role in utilizing our own trust in ourselves. And I think it really does go together. Um, but again, I always say to my clients, follow the energy. If something starts taking off in your business, then follow that. You know, if that's where you're meant to go, let yourself be led a little bit. You know, see where the response is coming from. If I'm meant to be writing children's books and I start to see that the children's books I write are, you know, hugely successful, I'm going to pay attention to that because Oftentimes, where we start in our businesses isn't where we end up. And where we start leads us to where we're supposed to end up. And I think that is something that 
people need to understand as well. Like as long as we can take action towards something and we then follow where the momentum comes from with that something, then we can see where we're meant to end up. So for instance, I started off, you know, doing psychic work. It was always something I never had to really advertise for it. I always managed to find clients and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to just start offering this to clients. And then I built a business around it. And then slowly over time, you know, I've got this opportunity, this huge opportunity from Tilbury House to write this children's book. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. That sounds amazing. I also last year had cancer. And through that experience, I have come up with several other ideas um, for how to be philanthropic with that cancer experience. And the response that I get, even just before I'm, you know, actually implementing any of the business side or the philanthropy side for it is amazing. People respond like comments, you know, likes, you know, the response, the energy is there. So what that tells me is that as I follow, as I just keep going and follow where the momentum is, I will be led to the success I need to see. The, what will happen is if we don't, if we try to grip too tightly to what we're currently doing, but there's other things coming along that are more, that are opportunity and we see them as opportunity and we follow it and we just, and we keep going along, then we will be led. But if we grip too tightly to staying to one thing, then that will stall the energy sometimes. So to answer your question, I'm doing House of Woo. I'm finding success with House of Woo. I'm going to keep doing House of Woo. But if suddenly as the launch of Lemonade Hurricane comes off and I'm seeing a bunch of momentum, I'm going to pay attention to that momentum. And that may mean that I have to push back a second launch for House of Woo. But I want to follow what's happening with the success so that I'm actually being led to where I need to be. Mm-hmm. And how many launches do you think you can do in a year? I think um, for House of Woo, I could do between three and four. So my goal is to do three. So so from June to June, sort of three or four. And then the year after that, just do two. And then offer and then offer Woo You. So that's sort of my two-year plan. This year, four, up to four, and next year, two. Interesting. And I, I noticed, um, I found out you also have another book, uh, which is an ebook, um, The Goosebump Factor. Yes. And um, I, 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 dare you price it at 605. 605. It's five, it's five, in the United States, it's $5. Oh, really? Five, yeah. Oh, oh, that's it. And that's the, because it shows me the um, 6.05. Okay, so that's the taxes going over it then, I guess. Yeah, it must be the, the new VAT tax that you guys have. Yeah, yeah, that's why. That's why. I, I, yeah, I, so I, I thought it was a, a weird kind of pricing, but it, okay, now, now that's explained. That's explained. And how does, how, how does it book, does it, does it help um, your business? Is it like a, a, a small step for, for them to go to the next step with you? Yeah. So what's great about the Goosebump Factor is it gives an overview of myself. I see it as a marketing tool. Um, it's it's 60 pages, so it's very it's not very long. Um, and I see it as a way for new people to get introduced, number one, to the, my style, and number two, to kind of understand how my readings work, what what exactly psychic is. It's sort of an overview of what I do. And it's a great way for them to get introduced me introduced to me in a, in a bigger way. I also, for the live speaking events that I do, um, which I try to do a live speaking event at least once a month. So for the live speaking events, I have a hard copy of that book, which I also sell for $5. And what's great about it is that it's, it's a takeaway for people after those events. And I think it really is, a, it's, it's interesting how the psychology works of if they have a book to take home, that it's more of a, it solidifies more of their experience with the, with the engagement. So I think overall, if you can, if you can write a digital book or even just, you know, it doesn't even have to be a book. Um, what I would say is like even do a collection of your blog posts and write an introduction. Um, that way then people get a, get a sense of who you are and they can learn more about you and what you do. Yeah, I do that too, but then I I give it away to um, get on my list. So, but I've, oh, I found that's it, great. Yeah, I yeah. found it interesting that you offered for five dollars, and that's a, so that I, I'm always on to learn uh, 
why and what and how. Like. Yeah, I mean, to, to get on my list, I have something different. I have, um, it's a specific, what kind of, pretty much, what psychic are you? Are you are you a hearing psychic, a seeing psychic, or a feeling psychic? So it's a little bit different. And then if they want to go deeper, then they can buy the book. Yeah, no, I, I actually have a mini book, which is... Um, uh, probably about 99 pages and I did it. I, I give that away for free. Oh, awesome. That's great. That's a great option. If, if you, if you're going back in time and so 2008, right. Where you started and, and you have all the knowledge that you have now, what would be the one thing that you would wanted to know at that moment when you started? Mm, I think the one thing that I would have wanted to know was the, the importance of focusing on one thing because I often would get distracted and like go off on, you know, like totally different tangents. And even though for me, I have a few things happening in my business now, if I had known just to stick with the psychic readings, just start there, really advertise online, really kind of hone in on that, um, that would have been that one thing I knew I was selling, I think I would have made really good traction. Whereas I got distracted, uh, you know, in the first five, four years or so of my work, I would get distracted and sort of go away from it and then come back to it. But it was always the, it was always the thing that I came back to. And if I had known that if I just had started and like solely focused on that for four years, I would have been like leaps and bounds ahead of where I am today. The focus or no, the focus. <laughs> oh, uh, that's that's a magical topic for me. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, what was the the biggest challenge, or maybe setback for your business, and how did you overcome this? Um, I think the biggest challenge for me was. Well, I guess I would say the biggest challenge for me was last year when I was diagnosed with cancer because I thought, oh God, you know, now I'm going to have, I've made all this momentum. I had just finished these, I had just finished these people. I had made a ton of momentum. I had so much traction going and then boom, I was diagnosed with cancer and I knew I was going to have to go through chemo and I knew I was going to have to get three surgeries. And I just saw this as a huge pause in the momentum. But what I did to get through it was I just, blogged when I could blog and I would send out newsletters when I could send out newsletters. And I just, I stopped actually doing psychic readings during this time because it was too hard to kind of do them and, and feel okay, you know, energetically. Um, and so I started a waiting list. And so as I started the waiting list, I just added people to it. Um, but the important piece was just know that if you ever have a hiccup where you have to stop or you need to take a break or you have to, you know, have a pause, as long as the momentum sort of continues in some way, like you're, you're, I think I did newsletters once a month at that point, but I was still in contact with my list. And I would do Facebook posts occasionally when I felt like it. But the momentum will always be there as long as you're taking action in some way. So what I saw was the momentum I had built for my business up until I got diagnosed after, you know, B school, what happened was, is that that momentum carried me through the next five months and people were happy to hear from me when they heard from me and they were happy to get the newsletters and hear about my updates. And again, it was one of those things where I was just writing about what I wanted to write about. It didn't necessarily have to do with being psychic. It didn't have to do with intuition. It was about my journey. And I think people appreciated that too. So if you ever get to the point if the listeners ever get to the point where they have to take a break or life happens or they need to take some time off just know that the momentum can keep going it doesn't have to be as intense as it is of like newslettering every week and blogging every week and social media every day like it can be much slower than that but the momentum that you've built throughout time beforehand will pay off and so I think that was really how I got through was just making sure I was at least in contact with the people who followed me a little bit, but knowing and trusting that when I came back, I could come back even better than I was before. Mm -hmm. And, and how long was the break in the end? In the end, I took, it was about two and a half months that I took off. Looking back, I probably should have taken at least three months or three and a half months. Um, but I, I came back in September 
And, um, and then I took another break because I had surgery in December. So I took another break throughout January, which I definitely needed to do. And it ended up being okay. So overall, it was about three and a half months that I took off, but they were two separate times. Right. Well, I think if, if you are uh, an entrepreneur, if you are a business owner, um, you should be able to take time off, right? <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I think that's the thing. That's why we do what we do. And I think people get we get mired in these 12 hour days. So we're right back into our corporate existence, you know, and, and, and we're working, working, working. But just we, if we can trust that the that when we take space and can allow the space to happen, that it still works for us. There's still things happening. Yeah. Okay. So do you have one final tip for the coach that is listening at this moment? My favorite tip is to focus on one thing. Um, I think if you can build off of one thing, what you're good at, you know, I see a lot of coaches out there that are business, life, health, and law, you know, law of attraction coaches, like they're everything. And if they can just pick one of those things and get really, really good at it, they're going to get so much further ahead, much quicker. And so what I would say is just pick your favorite thing, pick the thing that really, really gets you going in the morning, focus on that, and also pay attention to the momentum of that is the response of it. Um, you know, for a long time, I thought, well, maybe I'll be a psychic life coach. And then I was like, no, I should just be a psychic and see what happens from there. And that's how I've built my whole business. And as kooky as it was to just go out and be like, I'm a psychic, um, it actually has worked out really great and has led led me to things beyond my imagination. It's led me to writing a book. It's led me to speaking engagements all across the United States. It's And it's led me in so many great directions, and I'm very grateful for it. So that wouldn't have happened if I was trying to dip too many hands in too many different pots. So what I would say to the coaches out there is pick one thing, one thing that you love and one thing that you know you're good at, and stick to that. The other stuff, it can come in time, but the one thing is going to carry you the furthest. Yeah, and I can imagine that um, the moment you pick that, that there's not a lot of people around you that can say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a psychic, right? <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, I come from a very um, traditional background. I mean, my mom was a college professor. My dad was an accountant. Both of my brothers work in finance. I came from a very traditional household. It wasn't like we were in the woo-woo all the time. So for me, it was like a giant leap of just really embracing it. But what I also learned was I had to embrace it how I do it. I mean, I'm a skeptic myself. So for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to cater to the skeptics because they're my people. I get it. I get why you would be skeptic. So that really was how I really honed in on it because I was like, okay, I'm a psychic, but what kind of psychic am I? I'm a psychic that caters to the mainstream. So what does that mean? And that's what's led me to where I am. It's, it, it sounds so logical now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it does. At the time, it definitely did not. No, because you just mentioned <laughs> saying that, okay, you, you have all these different kind of coaching that people do, and, and they do. I, I see a lot of clients and um, coaches in the business that, you know, they say, I'm this coach and that coach, and I do that and that. And and then you say, well, you know, you just pick the favorite one. And then they tell me, well, I like all of them, so what do I pick now? Right. And I usually say when somebody tells me I like all of them, I'm like, that's fantastic. What are you the best at? What are your clients asking you for? You know, I I have, um, I always laugh. I have a great friend. She's incredible. She's an incredible business coach. And she's also a law of attraction expert. And we always laugh because she is a business coach first, but people come to her for law of attraction now. And she's like, I never in a million years would have thought this would happen. But she, it's, it's really great. And, um, she's, she's really incredible because she's allowing that to show up. And I think, you know, she just came in the mindset. Her name is Gina Gomez, ginagomez.com if you want to check her out. But she, she is incredible because she started off as a business coach. She really got into business coaching. But when the door started opening for more clients and more business coaching, they were coming to her not only because she was a business coach, but she had a law of attraction background. It wasn't what she advertised but they wanted to know more about it. And so I think that's sort of what people need to understand is that you are an expert in one thing. And when you're an expert in that one thing, you have other gifts that you can offer and people can come to you because of those other gifts. 
but you're the expert in one thing. And Gina would say, she's like, I am a business coach. I'm good at what I do. And she is, she's incredible, but she, that's what she does. She would not say that she's hundred percent a law of attraction coach. Now she just adds that into her repertoire of how to build, build business. Hmm. Okay. Uh, final question. Uh, who do you want to hear in this podcast? Who do I want to hear in your podcast? Mm -hmm. Ooh, um, let's see. Ooh, Sally Hope is amazing. I really love Sally Hope. Do you know Sally Hope? Nope. Yeah, she's great. She's she is SallyHope.com. She's really wonderful. Um, I I think you would really love Gina Gomez. I'd also love to hear like if you have you have you interviewed Derek Halpern yet? No. Yeah, I'd love to hear him on here too. So hopefully those three people would be great. I'm going to start with the female because I, my idea right now is to see if I can just um, keep on interviewing um, female coaches and, um, uh, and and see how they became successful. And, oh, and, and yeah, I love it. Yeah. Because I, I tend to attract a lot of female coaches. It's like um, 80% of my clients are female. And I think if I just focus on that so that they can more um, – understand how female coaches survive in this world and how yeah. they become successful. I think that's a, that, that, that's a, that's a good angle that, that I, I want to follow. Yeah, that's a huge angle. I love it. I love that, Erno, because I think there's a lot of women who are successful. And for me, what I always like to point out is in the entrepreneurial world, there are so many people that are out there like, I had a $50,000 lunch or I had this and, and that's fantastic. I'm really excited for their success. But I think there are those of us who are plodding along and doing the work as women. And we aren't, you know, exclaiming over these huge wins, but we are seeing wins. We are successful. And it's that sort of quiet fortitude that that can come across with women that I think is really interesting. So um, I love when I hear about successful women and what they're doing, because it, it's just a different approach. I, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Lucia. Yeah, thank you, Arno. It's such a pleasure to talk with you today. I'm so excited to be here, and I really appreciate you, you interviewing me. That was the interesting interview with Lysia. You can find the names and links that Lysia mentioned in the post that goes with this episode. Please visit numberonecoachbiz.com episode 27 for direct access. Don't forget to subscribe to the Number One Coach Bit podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Can you do me a huge favor so more coaches will discover this podcast? Give this podcast your honest rating and review. This will really help me to get this podcast out there. Thank you for that. Just send me a quick email letting me know you did this and I will send you a surprise. You can reach me at erno at numberonecoachbiz.com and I'd love to hear from you. See you next episode. Thank you for listening to the number one Coach Biz podcast at numberonecoachbiz.com.